Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Oh, that's good. I all feel quite far away. Now you feel even further away. <laughs> Um, just a quick question to get you thinking as we begin. Um, it should come up on the screen, Rory, if we got that. Um, so the, the first question is, if you just imagine you've got some amazing news to share, um, who would you share it with first? Okay, so chat to the people next to you. Um, if you're at home, chat to whoever's at home or just think about it. Um, if you had some amazing news to share, some good news to share, who do you share it with first? You've got one minute to think about that. Excellent. So hopefully you've got a few people in mind or someone in mind that you would share your good news with first. And, and as I was preparing for this evening, um, this was the question that kept going through my head, but related to the story you've just heard. If God had some great news, who would he share it with first? If God wanted to tell someone, he just, he just was bursting with joy, who would he go to first? And so as we read that passage, uh, we see that the answer is the shepherds. So these shepherds are there and God chooses to tell them first. And so uh, the angels came along, they sung their songs, they glorified God and they said, go to Bethlehem, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger isn't it such great news? And so um, God wanted to tell these shepherds first. And, and you've, you've probably heard a talk about shepherds before. Yeah, hands up if you've heard a talk about shepherds before. You've probably done a Christmas before, haven't you? Um, and so the talk would normally go along the lines of uh, these shepherds were nobodies. They weren't even like daytime shepherds. They were nighttime shepherds. So they didn't really, they weren't really very good shepherds probably. Um, they like showed everyone that this was good news for the poor, that even the shepherds, even the lowly shepherds could come and worship the baby Jesus. And that is a great talk, but that's not what we're doing tonight. Um, I thought maybe, maybe there's something a little bit different there. Maybe there's something a bit deeper about why God might choose to tell the shepherds first. Maybe the reason is the same reason that you have for naming the people that you've just named. Maybe it's because shepherds were really close to God's heart. Because I'm sure, well, I, maybe, I assume, you could nod if this is true, that the people you've just talked about that you would share your good news with first are people that are close to you, yeah? Yeah? And, and that was the same with me. And I thought, well, why would God be any different? So I thought, so I just kept on thinking, kept on thinking. And tonight, you're gonna, like, we're going to have to do a little bit of like, mental work because David asked me to share a thought. So this is just a thought. This is just my thought process. Hopefully you can follow where we're going. But basically, I think God has a special relationship with shepherds. Um, and that comes through the whole of the Bible. And so I want to encourage you this evening to think about shepherds and this story of the shepherds in a different way, in the way that maybe God was telling those who he was closest to and maybe predicting something about what Jesus was going to be doing in his life. 
Now, um, I, I love reading the Bible, um, and I love seeing the big picture of the Bible. I know David did something on the big picture of the Bible recently. We're going to go there again tonight. It's one of my like, favorite things to do, is to see the big picture. And, and what you get in these, throughout the whole of the Bible, is you get something called like motifs. Some people call them motifs. So there's these like characters or themes or roles or even words sometimes that are just repeated all the way through at really like crucial times. And the idea is that like our, our minds fill in all of the details from the previous time those things were mentioned. And then that adds extra stuff to the time that's there. And I think that one of the, one of the ways that this works, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized it was kind of true, hopefully it's more than kind of true, um, is, is that shepherds were one of these themes, one of these motifs, one of these characters that God had a special relationship with. And I kept thinking, well, why, why then did... Did he invite the shepherds? Um, So what we're going to do, um, as I said, it's going to require a little bit of thinking, a little bit of working out, is we're going to go through some Old Testament shepherds. This is exactly what you wanted to do on a Sunday evening, isn't it? Some of you are actually nodding. I'm excited. We're going to go through some Old Testament shepherds and work out, like, do they have anything to contribute towards this, this story of Jesus being surrounded by shepherds on his first ever night on this planet. Um, so we're going to start, um, and Rory, you can just keep going as we go through, with a guy called Abel, okay? So we're going right back to Genesis 4. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We're going chapter 4, the fourth chapter of the Bible. You've got two characters, Cain and Abel. Cain worked the land and did crops. Abel, he looked after flocks. Okay, so he's the first shepherd in the Bible. And there's some really key things I want us to pick up on from all of these shepherds, okay? So what happened was Cain and Abel, they they decided that they wanted to bring an offering to God. They said, yep, we're going to bring what we have to God. And so Cain brought some of the the first fruits of the land. He brought some of the crops and things like that. Um, And Abel brought the... A blood sacrifice, some of the fat offerings from his, from his firstborns. And what happened in that moment, it, it's a bit crazy, and we can, you, know, you can delve into it another time, but God rejected Cain's offering from the land, and God accepted Abel's offering of blood. These, these flocks that he brought, these, these sheep that, he's, that he brought to God, as an offering, as a sacrifice, God accepted Abel's offering. So the first shepherd in the Bible made an offering to God of blood, and that was accepted. But that didn't quite go down very well with Cain. Most of you know the story, I'm sure. Cain got jealous and killed Abel. Okay, so that's like the second blood thing. Um, But Cain killed Abel. So there we've got Abel, uh, blood offering accepted by God, killed by his jealous brother okay so we're going to whiz through second one we're going to like move forward to genesis 12 now and we're going to come across a guy called abraham uh we will know him as abraham uh abraham you might have you know not quite realized this maybe but abraham was also a shepherd he had flocks um that was his profession that's what he did he looked after sheep um and so what we have uh is Genesis 12, you'll be surprised to know, comes straight after Genesis 11, where we get the Tower of Babel, which is when everyone is divided. 
And everyone goes off and worships in their own way, worships whatever they want, however they want. And God just is like, right, we need to do something different. And so he calls a guy called Abraham, or Abraham at the time, and he makes promises to Abraham. And he says, move from the place that you live, go to a new land, take everything with you, and, and we're just gonna, we're gonna start again with Abraham. And he, he calls him Abraham, he changes his name to Abraham, because he says, I'm gonna make you a father of many nations. And so he chooses Abraham, this, this, this shepherd, to lead his people. And when everyone else is worshiping the God of fire and the God of thunder and all of these different gods, he says, you worship me the one true God, the only God, Yahweh. And so Abraham is the one who is kind of tasked with just following God and encouraging others, building a whole nation. And that's why we've got the Israel flag because from him came Israel and the Jews and, and the rest of the Bible came from his family line. And so God chose this shepherd to lead his people. And then he called them to live in peace and prosperity in a land flowing with milk and honey in the promised land. Okay, you're going to need to kind of hold some of these things in your head. They'll come back up on the screen in a bit, a little bit later. Um, but I'm just giving you like some context. You know, some of you already know all of these stories much better than even I do. Um, but Abraham led God's chosen people and received God's promises. Our next shepherd. Anyone guess? No, not David, you've missed one. Moses. Well, we've missed quite a few, but there's loads. That's the point. That's why it's a motif. That's why it's a theme that runs all the way through. Uh, Moses uh, grew up in Egypt as royalty um, and uh, was a significant leader um, for the Egyptians. But uh, he was an Israelite. And you know the story. Um, what happened? He got mixed up in a few things, committed murder, um, and had to run away from Egypt. I'm really condensing stories here. Um, had to run away from Egypt, fled Egypt, um, and went and lived in the wilderness, uh, looking after sheep. And so he became a shepherd in the wilderness. And it's there that he has his burning bush moment. This is where God, as, he, you know, as Moses is wandering around the wilderness with his sheep, this is where God chooses to call him to lead his people again out of slavery and into the promised land, into freedom through this burning bush. And so if you know anything about the story, you will know uh, about the, the plagues that came upon Egypt, that, that Moses did all of these things. But you'll also know just how important his staff was because he never really left the heart of being a shepherd behind. Like he'd throw his staff down on the floor, it'd turn into a snake, he'd lift it in the air, and he'd part the Red Sea. Like, it became such an integral part of his identity that all of his miracles, so many of them involved his shepherd staff, just because he was a shepherd that God called to lead his people out of Egypt and into freedom, out of this slavery. And then what you see is he leads God's people through the wilderness for 40 years, almost like shepherding them in the way that he shepherded his flock in the wilderness. Um, and then he gets the law given to him. So, you know, like Leviticus and all of that, the Ten Commandments, how to be right with God. Moses has that revelation. He goes up onto a mountain and he has all of these words and he writes them down. Um, and they live by a whole new law. There's a whole new way of living. 
And so Moses is a shepherd who saves the people from slavery and offers them a new way of living. And then we do get to David. David is another shepherd, the final one that we're going to be looking at this evening um, in this sense. And uh, David was a shepherd and he started off, um, you know, as the youngest and and was just like this shepherd, but he took down Goliath, you know this, he learned his trade as a shepherd, and through his slingshots and his clever maneuvers that he'd learned as a shepherd, he was able to take down uh, the big man. And so he, he did that, um, and then he grew into Israel's greatest king. There was this shepherd who grew into Israel's greatest king. He would rule with justice, and he didn't, he didn't get everything right, He made lots of mistakes, and we read about them in the Bible. But he led with integrity. He always repented. He led in such a way that Israel prospered. Israel grew. Israel had everything that they were ever kind of offered in prosperity, in the promised land of of peace and freedom. David led them to that place and led them in that time. And the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. He was just someone who just followed God, gave everything, sacrificed everything, did what he could to please God. So those are our four shepherds. I hope you've got them all logged in your brain. We're going to go through them again and think about them now in the context of Jesus. Now, hands up if you use the internet. (laughs) Most people, that's good. Um, when you click on a link, a hyperlink on the internet, yeah, on a web browser, it takes you to a new page, doesn't it? Yeah, that's how they work. And I think uh, that all of these like motifs, these characters, are a bit like those hyperlinks, in that they they link to other places, they link to other other web pages. And I think that all four of these shepherds link forward and point us forward. And when we click on them, they link us to Jesus. And so we're just going to go through them again. It's very simple but we're going to look at what they did, what they achieved, how they were before God, and then we're going to think about how maybe that impacts Jesus, what that says about Jesus, because these shepherds turned up at Jesus' birth because they were closest to God's heart, I believe. And so we're going to see how these might have predicted some stuff that Jesus did. So we're going to go uh, to Abel again. Let's go back to Abel. Um, It's a bit of a messy PowerPoint now because we're putting Jesus over the top. Um, because what Jesus did, in the same way that Abel offered a a blood sacrifice that God accepted, was that just pointing towards how Jesus was going to offer that blood sacrifice as he died on the cross, as he gave himself on the cross, as he made his sacrifice, his offering was accepted by God. And how did this offering come about for Jesus? The religious leaders, those who he should have been able to call his brothers, were the ones who murdered him, were the ones who shouted, crucify him, crucify him. He was murdered by those almost closest to him, other religious leaders, and his blood sacrifice, his sacrifice of himself was accepted. Hopefully, can you, can you nod if this makes sense? You can see the connection between Abel and Jesus. 
And then we move on to Abraham, who was chosen to lead God's people. Does that sound like Jesus? <laughs> who came to lead God's people. Firstly, he led the Jews. The, 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 the sign above Jesus when he was crucified said, the king of the Jews. And then he goes on to be the head of the church as well. Jesus led God's people just as Abraham was was promised that through him, through Abraham, every nation would be blessed. Well, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. This shepherd came along and God said, "I'm I'm gonna build everything through you. And along comes Jesus. And through everything, it's built on the solid rock of Jesus. And then there's that promise to live in the promised land. Jesus fulfills this when we think about eternity in peaceful harmony with God. When we think of heaven, when we think of that promise that God made Abraham to to live in peace, Jesus fulfills that for us. That, That promise of heaven, that promise of peace and eternity in the presence of God. This shepherd points towards Jesus because he leads God's people to live in the promised land. You can see where all of this is going and that's good because it's not hard. You just need to be able to see the bigger picture. The next one is Moses who led the Israelites out of slavery. That's God's promise to you through Jesus. The Bible talks about how we're slaves to sin. The power of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus gives us power to overcome, to be taken from our slavery to sin and into new life. Just as Moses drew the people through the Red Sea out of slavery, Jesus brings us out of slavery to ourselves, to our sin, to this world and leads us into light and life with him. And just as Moses received the law up on a mountain, if you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus expounds that law in a new way. The Sermon on the Mount, on the side of a mountain, Jesus teaches a new way of living, gives us a new law for life, a new way of connecting with God. All of those sacrifices that that Moses talked about, Jesus fulfilled them, made us acceptable to God through them. And gave us a new code of living, a new way to live through his words. And finally, David. David was Israel's greatest king. So was Jesus. Except Jesus didn't make all the mistakes that David did. Israel's greatest king, David, went through and led Israel to a time of prosperity. Where they had everything they could want. And all he was doing was pointing towards Jesus, who would lead us into that place, his church, his bride, and he would be the king. Jesus is the greatest king. It is his kingdom. He established the kingdom of God on earth. And if anyone in this world has ever been a man after God's own heart, surely it is the man with God's own heart. Surely it is Jesus the one who was one with God the Father, filled completely with the Holy Spirit. Jesus fulfilled 
all of these roles. So hopefully you can see now that, that maybe it's not just that the shepherds were lowly, but that God was connected to shepherds because of his story. God's story has involved shepherds for, for years and years and years. And so he was like, let's bring the shepherds to see Jesus. Because everything those shepherds of the past did, he's going to do. Every time they were kings, every time they, they stepped forward for God and led God's people, Jesus is going to do it, but he's going to do it better. And it should be no surprise that what Jesus said when he grew up and had his ministry, is it really a surprise now that he says, I am the good shepherd? He became the personification of all of those things merged together. Israel's greatest king, the leader of God's people, the one who would lay down his life for his sheep. Jesus became the good shepherd, a man after God's own heart. Um, I'm sure if, if parents, um, I'm sure parents worry about who their kids hang out with. Um, as a youth worker, I know that that's a constant thing that goes on. And I think what's happening here is God is just making sure right at the beginning of Jesus' life that he's hanging out with people that he wants him to become like. I really liked that image of God being like, oh, shepherds have been great for me. <laughs> Let's surround Jesus with shepherds right at the beginning and help him to grow to be like one of them, to be like all of them maybe, so that he can be the good shepherd. I'm just going to read uh, from John 10, where Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is the command I received from my father. Hopefully, this evening, that's just shed some light for you on the story of the shepherds. I believe that the shepherds were there to show us the mission of Jesus. Yes, to reach the poor and the lowly and the outcast, and those on the edge of society, but also to fulfill the role of the shepherd and to be our good shepherd. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for all you grew up to do, to be our good shepherd, to be the one who would give his life for us, just as a shepherd lays down their life for their sheep. Thank you that you lead us as your people and that you reign as king over your kingdom. And Lord, for each of us, wherever we're at this evening, I pray you would shepherd us. 
you'd show us your care and your love once again. So maybe just for a moment, receive God's care and love for you now. And so Jesus, we join with the shepherds as as they worshipped you on that Christmas night. And we worship you, King of kings, Lord of lords, and our good shepherd. Amen.